0: sex talk with Erica Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sex just isn't good enough. No, sex talk with Erica Miley.
1: Hello, everybody. And welcome to sex talk with Erica Miley. I have a wonderful guest with me today. Robert, will you please introduce yourself?
0: Thank you so much for having me on your show. My name is Rob Kandel. I am a life coach, relationship coach, business consultant, podcaster, and writer, living in Los Angeles, California.
1: All the things. All the things. All, all the things. <laughs> so Robert is a podcaster, and I've listened to Robert's podcast. And one of the things he often talks about with guests and is this wonderful vulnerability especially for men and how that can play out in relationships. So mm-hmm. like one of my first questions for you and I think my listeners really benefit from like where do they begin in relationships and how do they really start to break into the vulnerability side of things?
0: Well the the first thing for this problem and all problems I believe is the process of confronting. Because some of us know there's a problem Some of us don't. And for those people who don't know there is a problem or don't think there's anything to change, there's no way to change because we're not in relationship to what's going on and what we want to optimize. So what I teach people and men specifically is just this concept is, is life exactly the way you want it? Are you having it? Do you see it? Are you having the sex you want? Do you feel close to your partner? Are you having the purpose and connection to yourself that you want? And when I go a little deeper, you know, kind of punch a hole through that paper mache that is outside people, very quickly people say, yeah, I want this, and I don't know if I could have that. So there's a there's an opportunity to confront what needs to be confronted.
1: Yes, i I think this is something that's integral to when I do couples counseling and when I do all that kind of stuff the, that is one of the biggest things that I hear is I kind of would like this thing, but I don't even know how to ask for it or there's so much shame around even asking the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so I was sure. I was listening to that episode that you just you just did, I think with Brian Reeves about there was definitely this this flavor of talking about trauma and how it impacts relationships. How have you seen, like, when you've talked to men in particular, either how they're disconnected or connected with the trauma that maybe their partner has or maybe they've even had?
0: Well, we live in a, what I call a society of disapproval. In our society, we receive thousands of thousands of messages, you know, depending on your lifestyle, anywhere from a 1,000 to 10,000 media messages a day saying that you're not doing it right. You're too short, you're too tall, your hair's too long, you smell bad, you Mm -hmm. work too much, you work too little. There's just this volume that you're doing it wrong. And I think society sets it up so it can tell you shit, basically. Absolutely. So, you know, in this sea, in this uh, swimming of disapproval and discomfort, I think we're traumatized. And then on top of that, there's the interactions between the people. And we're, you know, we can be traumatized as a child with the smallest thing. Like our mother looks at us a certain way when we say something or a high school girl, you know, turning away. There's so many little minute things that happen. But what we do is we push them down and we don't want to confront it. We want to be cool. We want to be like we've got it all handled. And in the conspiracy of cool, you can't see the baggage we're carrying. And so I think we all have some level of trauma, some of us a lot more due to, you know, bad situations. And so just of opening up the space of possibility to look at those things, to create a dialogue with your partner that they can tell you what's going on, can bring light to what's in the shadow. And once you, again, confront it, then there's a possibility of change.
1: Yeah, that basis of confrontation, that first thing you started talking about, I think is is one of those things we think, oh, we think confrontation, oh, that means bad. Right. No, it doesn't necessarily mean bad. It just means that you're ta- you're actually taking a look at this thing.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And we're trained to non-confront. We're trained not to see. You know, there's actual biological parts of our brain that we cannot see what we do not put our attention on. You know, there's the RAS system, uh, which is part of the brain. And basically, to break it down, if you're looking for a red sock and you're looking in your sock drawer, you won't see any other color. The brain actually focuses in to find that red sock. You won't see the blue one or the green one or the white one. You'll just see red. And so we do the same thing with our trauma. where We don't want to see it. We don't want to confront it. We want to push it away, but it's like that little man behind the curtain running the show, and unless you turn your attention to it, it can have such a significant impact on who we are, how we behave, and what our life is like.
1: Absolutely. I mean, with couples, we talk about this all the time, especially in like when we talk about the environment that the relationship is within. So if mm-hmm. you only see your partner from a negative perspective, that is all you will ever see. hmm so I think that's a wonderful concept. And as I was listening to your podcast, especially the one about women, rage, and the sexual shadow, mm-hmm. it just I was listening to the kind of intersections between those two episodes. And how do you think men or people generally need to address sexuality in their relationships?
0: Most of us have pretty intense shame connected mm-hmm. to that society of disapproval. A lot yes. of us do not feel right about all aspects of our sexuality. We might feel about, really good about the top 30% that fits into society's standards. Okay. But the other 70%, oh no, I'm not telling yeah. that to anyone. Maybe I'm not one- not doing
1: that thing. Yeah.
0: Or maybe <laughs> that one weird friend, you know, who's also a little fetish side. You know, like we, we, we create, we find the little places. To, but most people, especially our romantic partners, we don't feel safe to tell what's going on, what our desires are. You know, I once had a workshop and there was a pedophile in the class. Pretty much on the top fetishes, the most dirtiest and the most wrong, you know, the, the most villainized uh, sexual desire known to mankind time is, is pedophilia.
1: I treated sex offenders before I went into yeah. private practice. So I, I absolutely feel you.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so he never acted on it. But he had kept it as a secret his entire life. He must have been a 40, 45-year-old man. And so he had held this secret inside. He had not told anyone in his entire life that he had this desire. And he was a good guy. He was a good guy with this one thing inside of him. And it shamed him. And he said his entire life, he kept himself in the shadows. He kept himself as a wallflower because he was afraid of this part being out. And I felt so much empathy for him in that moment because, you know, he had not acted on it. He had not done anything wrong, but still he had put himself in the prison of his own sexual desire. And so through this one moment in a workshop and through you know, therapy, he had a more right relationship with it, which allowed him to come out and be more connected to human beings. And this is sort of an extreme example, but we all have different forms of it where we feel don't feel right about what we want. And then we put it in a little box and then we create a little wall around it and that wall creates disconnection between you and another person, which is, is so maddening because if we had more space to even talk about these things, this wouldn't have to happen.
1: Absolutely. One of the things that I think is so important to know is, yes, like when I deal with folks with mental health issues and when we have friends or family members that have things about themselves they want to hide away, that's where that disconnection is, right? Mm -hmm. Mental health issues we have, the trauma we have creates disconnection when we need the connection the most. I think what you're saying is absolutely just wonderful. Thank so you. if someone were to begin somewhere, like, mm-hmm. you know, Connection 101, maybe even just specifically to men, where should they start? Where Where do you think they should begin?
0: Um, I have my model for, you know, handling this. The first step is confront to see. The second step is to investigate. We live in an information-rich society where anything you want to know any face there's thousands and thousands of facebook groups on specific topics we live in a world where there's no shortage of information so university it, of google <laughs> exactly don't believe everything you read but at the same time right. investigate go out there and learn you know lurk and see and ask questions you know if you have to create a false facebook uh, profile and go into groups maybe around you know polyamory or fetish or bdsm go in there and and just ask questions and and learn to investigate. The third step is what I call commitment. And in that, it's it's a commitment to change. In other words, I'm saying yes to this adventure. I'm saying yes to this evolution. I'm saying yes to this journey. Commit to yourself to say, I'm going to go through the uncomfortable process of evolving so I can up-level my life. It's akin to being at the top of a mountain with a double diamond, black diamond, with all the moguls and you fear death and you're like, ugh. And you push off, (laughs) that's what I'm talking about. That moment where you just push off and ski and see what's happening. The fourth step is to create a practice. And this is uh, really important because to me, life is practice. You know, if we want to learn to hit the fastball, you know, we get down to the batting range. If we want to learn piano, we hire a teacher. In terms of relationship and self-evolvement, we don't look at the same. We look like it's kind of black or white or we should have it done by now. So I recommend people look at it as like a practice to see what, how you can up level. Maybe that's a coach. Maybe that's a program. Maybe that's therapy. Maybe that's joining a gender group. Maybe it's a 12-step program. Uh, whatever it is, find some way to involve yourself in this up level. In doing so, I recommend have some form of accountability. So if you have a practice of you know going to yoga class twice a week, have a friend to check in with. And another part is uh, allow yourself to modify the practice if it gets to unhealthy aspects. You know, I once committed to do 60 yoga classes in 70 days, which was not good. (laughs) No. (laughs) So then after the first two weeks, I'm like, I'm dying. So I went down to 40. It was much healthier. So give yourself the right to modify, you know, set a certain time, 30 days, 40 days, 60 days, six months, whatever it is, and then complete the cycle celebrate your win, debrief on what worked, and then maybe recommit. And so that's the overall framework on how to change anything. So in terms of learning to confront this part of yourself, maybe it's committing to a practice of going to therapy once a week. Maybe it's inviting your partner to have 30 minutes of intimate dialogue three times a week. Whatever it is, find some attainable practice so you can change your life.
1: I think that being able to measure it so that you know that something's different is one of those huge things that we miss a lot as Mm -hmm. when we're trying to make these goals, when we're trying to create a life that's different. The other part of it is that accountability part, and that is probably one of the scariest pieces (laughs) to creating that new life, right? Mm -hmm. That you're actually putting it out there in front of somebody else, and they're going to make sure that you help you get there. Yes. So I think that's I think that's a fantastic way to think about it. So I know you've got a book coming out here pretty quick, Unhidden. Tell me a little bit about Unhidden. And it's coming out November 5th, right?
0: My marketing light. It's actually December 6th now. <laughs> oh, um, December 6th. Oh, good. I'm
1: gonna change I,
0: that. I got some feedback that was painful to read, but really good. <laughs> so uh, I had to revise it to so the new version, December 6th. I think it's so much better. Anyway, the concept is that I believe that the world is hiding, especially men.
1: Mm. And so
0: the book is called Unhidden, A Book for Men and Those Confused by Them. And the concept is in the hiding, in the shutting down, is really where the toxicity of men is happening. Because men have been part of the patriarchy for over 6,000 years. In the patriarchy, people look at men like there should be nothing wrong. They should, they're the privileged sex, right? They're in the pole position per se, and they should be nothing wrong. And so it's a double bind because the world is changing and evolving. Women are actually getting much more powerful and men don't have the space to speak their fears, their things they don't understand and all the problems they're feeling. And so they shove it down, they hide. And that keeps them in sort of a cycle of silence. Then their poor behavior comes out, the toxic behavior comes out because they're not handling the situation, the fire that lists inside of them, and which makes things even worse between the genders. And so the book is an acknowledgement of this cycle. It's describing, you know, I use the same thing confronting, investigating, committing to show Uh, It's confronting what's happening, it's giving information, and then offering men practices, pragmatic practices and exercises of how to move from the position they're in to become unhidden, to live life authentically and free in the world so they can actually ask for the kind of life they want
1: yeah I think that double bind how you just put that is really important because yes, we have to uplift women, we have to acknowledge especially sexual trauma that they've been through, and we need to create a vehicle for men to be able to acknowledge they can have other emotions other than anger mm-hmm. because that's often what from the time little boys are very young they're they're taught to not address those emotions, not to show vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I think this book will probably be of great service to them. So if they had, if you had like a little preview of like that first, one of those first steps they could do, one of those first practices they could adopt, what would that be?
0: One of my favorite exercises, not with the first one, one of my favorites is I had a client and a coaching client, and he was literally living in the basement of the house he lived in with his, his wife. They had broken up. They, had, they were in the process of being divorced, doing to money challenges. He couldn't move out. So she kept the house with the kids and he was living in the basement. Now, it wasn't just a physical basement. It was an emotional basement. And he spent his time smoking cigarettes, smoking pot, watching movies, watching porn and playing video games. Numbing. Numbing. Yeah, because he was, and he was unable to Feel. He was so afraid to feel, and he was on disability. I mean, it was it was a really classic example of a man who self-destructed, and because of things in his relationship, he kept himself small. So I did this exercise with him where I said, okay, let's create 10 short-term, 10 medium-term, and 10 long-term goals. Let's just have, you know, write that. And you know, he did his 10, 10, and 10. And then he, he actually went out and got this big piece of paper on those big Post-its and put the 10, 10, and 10. So every single day he had those on this wall. And within six months, he had improved his relationship with his wife. He had stopped smoking pot. He had limited his cigarettes. Those, those smokes will get you. He had gotten a new job. And he was actually moving to a nearby town and, you know, it changed his financials. So he had moved from the basement to an apartment. Now, as much as I like to take credit for <laughs> his evolution, I really... Dust
1: off that shoulder right there. Yeah,
0: no, no. It was him. It yeah. was him. And what he did by just writing down the 10 short-term goals, things he could do within a month the 10 midterm goals, which you could do within six and 10 long-term within the next couple of years, he had set himself up with a game, set himself up with an experience. He had written down the direction of his life. And every time he cut down his cigarettes from 40 a day to like the six or seven he did, he gave himself a big check mark. He celebrated. And so one of my favorite exercises is just to bring those thoughts in our head that we thought we can't do onto paper and onto an online forum or a Google Doc, whatever it is, you can change your life. And in terms of hiding, you can set, you know, tell my parents that I'm a bisexual or improve my sex life with my partner. I want to go to the gym three times a week, whatever it is. It's bringing those things out and then again, building accountability. And that's one of my favorite exercises in the book.
1: I think that's wonderful. It's that putting light into the darkness. Yes putting the things you're so afraid of and putting them up so that you can see them every day so that you can't avoid them. Yes. <laughs> you can't walk away from them. I know. That's wonderful. That's, that's absolutely a wonderful exercise. So how do folks find you in the world? How do they find the book? All the things.
0: My website, Robertcandel.com, is the hub of all my work. You can find my podcast there. You can find the book pre-order or you know, if you hear this after December 6th, it'll be available. I'm coming up with a communication workbook, which will be an aid to the book. I'm teaching uh, 10-week online courses, transformational courses, and I'll be teaching communication courses, quite a few in 2019. So everything can be found at robertcandell.com, including my access to my social media. I'm a big Instagram person now. I also have a Facebook group called Living Unhidden, which I'd love for you to join. So that can all be found at robertcandell.com.
1: Awesome. I will make sure that is all in the show notes. I might actually, if it's okay with you, and we'll double-check this too by the end, I would love to add some of those things to my resource page for my therapy practice.
0: Oh, yeah. Please. Go I think permission.
1: Go. <laughs> yeah, go. Do it. Yeah. Because I think that anything is a tangible, really clear way for people to make movement in their lives. I'm mm-hmm. all about it. So thank you so much for coming to talk with me today, Robert. I, I can totally vouch for his Instagram. It's pretty great.
0: Oh, thanks. <laughs> thank you so much. And so thank you so much for having me show. I'm really grateful.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for tuning in today. We will see you on the other side. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the Gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.